Today we're starting a, a new sermon series that we'll be in for the next several weeks called Stories Worth a Second Reading or Reading Again or some such. It's on your bulletin. And uh, they're going to be stories that may be very familiar to you or, or not so familiar, but each one of them is, is worth a closer look. Today we're going to be looking at a story about grace. It's the story of Naaman, who was a commander in the army of the king of Syria. You'll hear the scriptures say the king of Aram, which is biblical language for the land that we now call Syria. Let us pray. Holy God, the stories you offer us in scripture tell us who you are and who we are as your children and how you call us to live in the world. So give us ears to hear and hearts to receive and respond that we might live as faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Listen for this word. Naaman, commander of the, arm <coughs> excuse me, of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man and in high favor with his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man, though a mighty warrior, suffered from leprosy. Now the Arameans, on one of their raids, had taken a young girl captive from the land of Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord just what the girl from the land of Israel had said. And the king of Aram said, Go then, and I will send along a letter to the king of Israel. He went, taking with him ten talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 sets of garments. He brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you my servant Naaman, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to give death or life? that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Just look and see how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent a message to the king. Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me that he may learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and halted at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go, wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman became angry and went away saying, I thought that for me he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and would wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? He turned and went away in a rage. But his servants approached and said to him, 
Father, if the prophet had commanded you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? How much more when all he said to you was wash and be clean? So he went down and immersed himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. His flesh was restored like the flesh of a young boy, and he was clean. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There was a lot to admire about Naaman. He was the commander of the army of the king of Syria who had been successful in countless battles. He had a chest full of medals to prove it. But Naaman also had a chink in his armor. He had leprosy, which meant that he was popular for his military prowess, but shunned for his dreaded skin disease, and people admired him only from a great distance. As luck would have it, on one of Naaman's many raids, he captured a young Israelite girl and made her his wife's servant. On one of their many conversations, this young servant girl mentioned to Naaman's wife that there was a prophet by the name of Elisha who lived in Israel and Elisha could cure Naaman's leprosy. And so his wife said to Naaman, look, you remember that slave girl, that, that one you brought back and now she washes me with oil and makes me smell good? Well, she said, there's a prophet in Israel and you should go see him. He can cure your leprosy. And Naaman said, Israel? Why would I go to Israel? Well, we've got plenty of doctors and prophets here. I am not going to Israel. And friends, what you need to know is that back then, Syria and Israel didn't get along any better than they get along now. But Naaman had a dream that night that convinced him he should make this trip. So the next morning, he went to see the king of Syria to ask permission, and he said, look, my wife's servant girl said there's a prophet in Israel who can cure my leprosy. Splendid, the king of Syria said. I'm going to write you a note of introduction, so you'll have proper papers when you go see the king of Israel. And Naaman left with that letter in hand and also with a big load of silver and gold to impress the king of Israel. Unfortunately, the king of Israel was not at all impressed because that letter that came from the king of Syria didn't mention anything about a prophet curing Naaman's leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, it quite clearly said, I'm sending my servant Naaman to you so you can cure his leprosy. And he goes, what? I'm not God. I can't cure anybody's leprosy. Obviously, this is a trick. He's just doing this so he has an excuse to come and attack us. 
I mean, he threw such a big tantrum that his predicament and news about it reached Elisha, who sent a note back and said, oh, stitch your buttons back on and send him to me. I can heal him, and besides, he needs to know there's a prophet in Israel. So Naaman loaded up all of that silver and all of that gold, and he went down to Elisha's place where he sat in the driveway waiting patiently because he was convinced that Elisha would be so awed to have such a dignitary at his house that he would come out bowing and scraping. Well, that's not what happened. Elisha didn't even bother to come out of the house. He simply sent a messenger out who said to Naaman he was to go wash in the Jordan River seven times and he would be healed. Naaman was insulted. And he starts sputtering again and said, look, I've just been to the palaces of two kings. You know, who is this guy that doesn't even bother to come out and then tells me to go bathe in a dirty ditch? like the Jordan River, while we've got beautiful rivers in Damascus. I'm just going to go bathe in one of my own rivers. Thank you very much. And with that, he turned around in a huff and began to head home. Now, fortunately, his servants were wiser than he was, and they stopped him and said, Look, if that prophet had asked you to do something difficult, you would have done it. So why not do what's simple? Just go and wash in the Jordan like he said. See what happens. What have you got to lose? So Naaman thought that over, and then then he decided to go back. And he did exactly what Elisha had said. He dipped himself seven times in the Jordan River, and he was healed. His Skin was as soft as a baby's. Naaman was so overcome with gratitude, he became a believer. And he said, there's no God in all the earth like the God of Israel. And he even filled two big bags full of Israelite soil to take back home with him so he could worship the God of Israel on Israelite soil when he got back home. He also offered Elisha a very substantial gift of gratitude, which Elisha refused to accept. Now, Elisha had a servant by the name of Gehazi who thought he was absolutely crazy not to take that very pricey gift. So as soon as Naaman leaves, Gehazi barrels after him and caught up with him just about the time Naaman had gotten back to his house. And Gehazi concocted a wild tale in which he said, Look, you know, Elisha changed his mind. He's decided he needs your gifts instead of refusing them as he did before. 
Naaman was gracious. He gave Gehazi the money and the gifts. He even sent his servants along with Gehazi to carry all that loot back to the city. Well, Gehazi safely stowed the loot under his bed, and he went back to serve Elisha with a big smile on his face. And Elisha looked at him and said, Where you been, Gehazi? Ah, well, nowhere. Why do you ask, Elisha? Yes, you have. You have been chasing after Naaman, and you took his gifts and his money. Why would you do such a thing? Healing is a gift from God, not a commodity to be bartered. I refused that gift because I wanted Naaman to understand God's love is unconditional, not based on his wealth or accomplishments. For your greed, you're going to be struck with the same leprosy Naaman had. And so Gehazi was. It's an odd story, folks. No, no, I told a little more of it than I read, so you guys go back to 2 Kings and you read it again. It's a great story, but it's a little odd. On first glance, it sounds like a healing story, which has a happy ending for Naaman and a not-so-happy ending for Gehazi. But I think it's a story that's worth a second reading. Naaman was a guy who is a lot like us. Loyal, accomplished, secure in his position. But Naaman had leprosy. He's a reminder that even those who feel confident and well-fixed can find their lives completely upended by illness or job loss or death or divorce or tragedy. It's very hard to feel in control when someone we've spent years of our lives with says, I don't love you anymore, walks out the door never to return. Or the doctor comes in the examination room and uses that C word. Or one of our children gets arrested. Those experiences convince us quickly that we are not self-sufficient. Now, washing in the Jordan was a simple task, but for Naaman, it represented a radical demand, one he struggled to accept, because washing in the Jordan meant admitting he was not self-sufficient. It meant that all of his medals and all of his accomplishments did not determine the worth and value of his life. It meant that Naaman needed help. Friends, 
We have a very hard time admitting we aren't self-sufficient because we are part of a culture that places very high value on independence and self-sufficiency. Naaman was lucky enough to find Elisha, but he almost blew that opportunity with his pride and his arrogance. Why should I wash in the dirty Jordan when we have all these beautiful rivers in Syria? Well, there may have been beautiful rivers in Syria, but there was not a prophet in Syria who could share the love and grace of God the way Elisha shared it. How many times have we missed out on the blessings of God because our pride and arrogance got in the way? Like Naaman, grace comes to us not on the basis of the size of our bank accounts or the number of diplomas on our wall or the way we handle ourselves. You know, you and I are, are pretty good at going to see the doctor for our physical ailments. But what about our mental and emotional and spiritual health? How many of those problems do we simply keep to ourselves? All bottled up inside until our lives simply implode. Friends, apart from God, none of us is self-sufficient. We are sufficient only in God's care. But it was not Naaman, with all of his accomplishments, who knew that truth. It was a young Israelite slave girl. And it was Naaman's servants who accompanied him on the journey and were wise enough to confront him when he was acting foolishly. In God's world, it is often those who have the least who possess the greatest truth. And then we've got Gehazi. <clears throat> you know, we might think Gehazi would understand grace because he spent so much time in the presence of the prophet Elisha. But greed spoke louder than truth for Gehazi. And he managed to take the loving, healing grace of God and turn it into a commodity to be bartered. His lie abused the generosity and gratitude Naaman had expressed. You know, he returned to Syria 
thinking he was a wealthy man. But friends, our lies and our greed always catch up with us. And what good was his ill-gotten wealth when he was struck with leprosy? What good is wealth and accomplishment to any of us when our lies, lives are completely upended? Grace cannot be bought or sold. It is not dependent on our position or our power. Healing love comes to us in the same way it came to Naaman, as freely offered by Elisha because Naaman needed it. We receive healing because we need it and because God loves us. Healing love is who God is. It is not dependent on our accomplishments. Friends, the church is not in the business of buying and selling grace. The church is not in the business of using religion for personal or political gain. I want you to think about that the closer we get to election season. Turn a keen ear to what you hear on television and in other places. The church is not in the business of using religion for personal or political gain. We are in the business of healing and being healed. We are in the business of offering and receiving the love of God. We are in the business of proclaiming Jesus Christ to all who will hear without deciding how their hearing or not hearing will benefit us. Friends, it's true that the church needs to grow, but not because we need people. The church needs to grow because people need the love of God. And those two things are very different. The church needs to grow because people need the love of God. It's no accident that it 